Chapter Twelve of Bonne Marie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susanna Mason. Bonne Marie: A Tale of Normandy and Paris by Henry Gerville, translated by Mary Neal Sherwood. Chapter Twelve: Signing the Contract. Bonne Marie found herself on the street again, just as the heat of the day had began to decrease. The shadows of the trees lengthened on the Champs Elysees. The spray of the fountains mingled with the dust of the macadamia's pavements, and made a sort of mist around the large chestnut trees. The carriages had begun their evening activity, and all was bright and gay. Bonne Marie thought she would go and look at the outside of the Café Chantante. Yes, she said to herself, I will sing there if I can. She went home, past the flower market of the Madeleine, where even the flowers have an air of effrontery. The Parma violets were out of season, and were pale and listless, and as to the white roses it was easy to see that they would fade that night in the loge of some actress. But Bonne Marie had no such intentions as these. She bought a bouquet for four sous, and took it to her wretched little room, where she dreamed until morning of applause, of flaring gas, and of bouquets surrounded by lace paper. "'Yes, ma belle, it is all settled,' said Clotilde to her friend, the next day, toward the end of breakfast. "'Morissette will give you a hearing next week.' "'Morissette?' asked Bonne Marie quickly. "'Yes, the old wretch, my manager.' The country girl asked herself with a shiver how any one could venture to speak of such an autocrat with so little ceremony. A manager, of course, was to be respected not only for his age, but for his position. Clotilde was not sufficiently parliamentary in her language. I have a word of warning to whisper in your ear, my dear, said Clotilde. Look out for the manager. Look out for him, and why? You must find out for yourself. Only remember my words, for they are words of wisdom. Shall we say Monday? Will you be ready? Any time you please, Clotilde. At this very moment, if you say so. Bless your dear little heart cried the diva. If you were to go to see Morissette in that little black woolen gown and sing that romance for him, he would insist on you paying him five hundred francs for permission to make your debut under his auspices. Your eyes might be like stars and as large as moons. It would make no difference. But then how shall I go to him? In the most distingué toilettes possible. Black fur, linen collar, not a scrap of lace, but ample drapery and more ample aplomb. But that would cost much money, and simpleton, you need not pay now. I will take you to my dressmaker. All you need trouble yourself about is a dozen pair of gloves. Are your hands presentable? Bonne Marie held them out to Clotilde with a shamefaced air. Red, very red, but the skin is fine and they are very well shaped. Wear gloves with sixteen buttons for your debut, and don't let human eye rest on your hands until they are white. And how long will that be? asked the girl with timid anxiety. Clotilde went off in a fit of laughter. She is delicious. On my word, she is truly delicious. But don't you see, ma belle, that if your hands have nothing to do but grow white, it cannot take very long. You must select two or three romances more appropriate than the one you sang yesterday. We will try over half a dozen, and you will have two of them before Monday. With such able instructions on all points, Bonne Marie found the day of her interview with the manager close at hand, and on the fateful Monday morning, with her hair dressed by a coiffure, and wearing the lightest possible gloves, and embarrassed by the numerous flounces of her silk robe, the girl entered the presence of the redoubtable Morissette, encouraged by her brilliant friend. 
here she is monsieur morisset here she is this deep-sea pearl this pearl of price she has as much talent as she has beauty i do assure you that is precisely what we wish to discover grumbled the potentate hardly looking at bonne marie such was his eagerness to press a kiss upon the hand of la diva who gave him in return a friendly little slap on his cheek sing us something he said imperiously to the trembling girl what shall i sing she asked anything you choose it is of very little consequence what go on these words were not especially encouraging he seated himself comfortably in an armchair in front of the piano clotilde drawing off her gloves placed herself at the instrument and bonne marie suddenly warming up sang one of those sentimental ballads which please fifty out of every hundred persons who hear it far more than any higher order of music could have done not so bad said morisette coldly and this is all you can do we warble monsieur morisette said clotilde gravely we do nothing but that but we do that well ah to be sure i see you adopt the simple style bonne marie could find nothing to say in reply some people like that sort of a thing continued the manager now try again the young girl encouraged by a malicious glance from clotilde sang another ballad which since then has made the tour of the world at that time however that bonne marie sang it it was fresh and new that might do said the manager yes indeed particularly now that amy soliel has gone and you have no one to replace her as yet added clotilde with the most innocent air in the world morissette looked at her angrily how much will you give me he said turning to bonne marie if i should engage you nonsense interposed clotilde drawing up her beautiful figure to its full height go my dear into the other room and wait for me i do not need you now this is my part of the business bonne marie left the salon with tears in her eyes upon my word clotilde said morissette sulkily i think you might treat me with a little more respect in the presence of my people oh wretch replied the unabashed diva with a shrug of those shoulders famed throughout paris she will never be one of your people unless you are more amiable than you are today what do you intend to give her to give her why you don't expect me to pay her do you no indeed i don't care for her in that way very well then not one note will i sing to-night and clotilde walked toward the door morissette looked at her you will not sing he exclaimed in utter amazement we will see whether you do or not see as much as you please i am ill i will send my physicians to examine you don't trouble yourself you will find me in bed with leeches on i have a fever you will sing fever or no fever i will put a mustard plaster on the end of my nose and i will have it spread round the theatre you have struck me no one will believe it indeed you are mistaken everybody will believe any hateful thing i choose to say of you the diva gathered up her skirts good morning monsieur morissette she said with a serene smile i will call to-morrow at the same hour to ascertain if you have changed your mind clotilde what is it it is simply ridiculous to expect me to engage this girl ridiculous it is you who are ridiculous cried the haughty clotilde dropping her silk with a noise that sounded like the unreefing of sails 
look at it yourself you are lucky enough to have me bring to you a beautiful girl well educated and well bred with a delicate voice and accent that of cherbourg cherbourg interrupted morisset in eight days there will be not a trace of it left continued clotilde quite undisturbed her voice is the most touching and sympathetic i have ever heard in my life and after bringing tears into the eyes of all the crocodiles in paris she is a girl who is made for love, and yet she is pure and good. Pure and good, repeated Morissette with a sceptical air. Pure and good, you wretch! So good she asked me if I did not receive an enormous salary to enable me to furnish my house so well. And what did you say? None of your business. You must have given her a very erroneous idea of your engagement with me, Clotilde. This, permit me to say, was a very great mistake. Do you dare to say that you do not give me twenty-five thousand francs for singing six months? But that is you, Clotilde. Do you suppose I could do the same for anyone else? Guess in one moment if you found anyone who sang better than I, replied the diva haughtily. But you have not yet discovered one. I have not discovered one, answered the manager, simply because I do not look for one. You have looked, and you did not succeed. You offered Planot thirty thousand francs. You made your offer in black and white, and she refused it. She has not the half of a voice, while I, I have a voice and a half. You are perfectly ungrateful. Clotilde, I swear to you, I have read your letter. And as Clotilde uttered these crushing words, she crossed her arms and looked the manager straight in the eyes. She found him so droll in his demoralized condition that she laughed aloud. Who in the thunder showed you that letter? A little bird, answered Clotilde. The manager bowed his abashed head. Don't let us quarrel, he said with a paternal air. Do you insist on my engaging your friend? Absolutely, or I will not sing another note for you. I feel that my voice is leaving me entirely. In another twenty-five hours I shall not be able to raise a note, said the actress in a hoarse whisper. Well, then, I will give her three hundred francs per month. That is liberal, I am sure. And dress her, said Clotilde slyly. Ah, no, indeed, by no means. Then double your price and we will think about it. Do you mean that six hundred francs would not be enough? Now, how bright you are! Who would have supposed that you could have thought I meant that? And Clotilde laughed. How much do you want for her? asked the manager impatiently eight thousand francs for the first year twelve for the next and after then to agree on new terms clotilde you are mad cried morisset the actress raised her eyebrows in a gentle wonder let me tell you she said that my friend is a very quiet little person she means to marry a rich man ah oh, answered morisset thoughtfully that changes the question entirely if she has decided to marry, it will not be at once, I presume. Not until she had brought a quantity of fish to your net, at all events, cried Clotilde. I will give her ten thousand francs on condition that she will not marry until after the expiration of the first year. Trafficker in human flesh, groaned Clotilde, and yet people pretend that the buying and selling of slaves is abolished. Then, if she engages at ten thousand, you will give her cash down. Two thousand. One thousand the day of her first appearance. How do you wish her to appear? In a flannel skirt and a nightcap? Upon my word, that would not be a bad idea, 
said Morissette, caressing his mustache. But I will give half now and the other half in six months. No, two thousand this very moment where I will take her off, and you will never see either of us again. Morissette reluctantly opened his iron safe and took out two bills for one thousand francs each and handed them to Clotilde. How many sighs and groans and maledictions against the manager these represent, said the actress as she took them. You cannot boast of being very liberal at all events. I am quite as liberal as others, said Morissette as he prepared a receipt and contract. I am not so sure of that, replied Clotilde. Let me see the conditions with which you propose to burthen that poor innocent. Give me that pen. Clotilde took her seat at the manager's desk and pugnaciously attacked every clause which she considered onerous for her protégé. When all was triumphantly concluded, after a long and weary battle, she rose and told her companion to read, ponder, and inwardly reflect. You may boast of taking the most abominable advantage of your position, he sighed as he laid the paper down. Oh, if only I could replace you. But that is precisely what you cannot do, therefore it is you who take advantage of your position. She answered with a laugh. Bonne Marie was now summoned. The period of her waiting had been so long that she had lost all hope and supposed herself to have been condemned and rejected. Her surprise, therefore, was all the greater on seeing the contract and the receipt ready for her signature, and she took the pen handed her by Clotilde almost without knowing what she was doing. "'Put your name there, simpleton,' said her friend, showing her the exact spot to affix her signature. "'And here, put these in your pocket.' She slipped into the hand of Bonne Marie the two thousand franc notes, at which the girl stared with affrighted eyes. "'She is pretty, very pretty,' said Morissette, examining her through his eyeglass. Uh, "'What shall we call her?' "'The Rose of Salency,' said Clotilde with a laugh. "'We shall have to think about it,' he answered meditatively, and while Bonne Marie put her precious money carefully into her porte-monnaie, he approached the diva and whispered in her ear, why the deuce do you have anything to do with this girl? She is as pretty as a pink. Why are you not jealous of her? We do not pursue the same game, said Clotilde quietly. She is after a husband, and I, well, you know, I think a husband. I know you are too independent, mademoiselle, interrupted Morissette. And now, ladies, good-bye until the evening. Clotilde bore her friend away in triumph. Bonne Marie moved as if she were half asleep and wondered if it were not all a dream. End of chapter 12. Recording by Susanna Mason.